On this episode of Sessions, we chat with Chelsea Songson, founder of Boss Ladies, a publication for and a community of creative entrepreneurs. Listen in to learn how Chelsea went about cultivating the Boss Ladies community and how she approaches translating brand values into the different aspects of the business. Welcome to Sessions by Matt Black, a podcast by and for the creative class focused on digging into the things that make brands and campaigns go from good to great. I am Chelsea Matthews. I'm the founder and creative director of Matt Black. And today I'm hanging with Chelsea Songson, who is the founder of Boss Ladies. Chelsea, thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. I literally can't forget your name. We're like Chelsea Square, just like Chelsea Power in this room. It's pretty, pretty epic. I love it. (laughs) Um, Okay, so before we dive into the juicy stuff, what is your victory song? Um, Formation by Beyonce. Ooh, mm-hmm. yes. Definitely. Yes. That was said with confidence. That's like a go-to. It's like a once a week kind of situation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Um, and your celebrity crush, we won't tell your boyfriend. Um, Eddie Redmayne. Ooh. Mm-hmm. It's like a weird celebrity crush, I feel like, because he's a little bit nerdy, but I adore him. <laughs> Love it. Um, and what's your drink of choice? Uh, currently, cayenne kombucha. Discuss. Um, so I feel like... Uh, I needed things in my life that were like fiery because I feel like I'm very like soft and gentle. And so I need to bring more fire into my life. And so cayenne kombucha is like fire in your digestive system. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. Very cool. Mm -hmm. Um, Okay, cool. Uh, Let's really dive in to boss ladies. You've basically cultivated this incredible community of women that you um, kind of embody both through print and through like in real life experiences. What brought you to where you are today with Boss Ladies, but also what's kind of been your career trajectory? Are you from LA? Mm -hmm. What's your favorite dinner? I love it. (laughs) So many questions. Okay. So um, I came to LA a month after I graduated undergrad. My boyfriend and I graduated from Colby the same year, and he was starting his PhD at UCLA uh, four months later. So we packed up my little car, and we drove across the top of the country and then down the West Coast. Um, and we went camping at all the national parks along the way, and we stayed um, we stayed camping for a long time. And then when I first moved to LA, I began working for a writer, and I was her assistant. Um, and that's the way the job had framed. It was framed as a writer's assistant job. And it turned out that it was more of an assistant job for a writer. Um, And so I quickly decided that wasn't the perfect place for me to be. Um, I stayed there until the end of that year. And then Pete and I actually, we had a, I think a little bit of a difficult time finding our place in LA. So we moved back to the East Coast for that summer. Um, And I worked for a vineyard that summer. Mm -hmm. Um, When I came back to LA, I knew that I, I had never worked in corporate and I knew that like I was interested in having a corporate experience to see what that was like. So I started working for CBRE, 
And they were trying, which is a commercial real estate company for those that might not know. And um, they were trying this new thing, a new position at the company called director of community experience, which meant that I was assigned to a specific property. And it's a property called PCT down by LAX. Um, and this property had 80 different companies on the same on the same lot. And they were trying to find interesting ways to make that community, which in the past had been very traditional and very corporate feel more creative. Um, so I was responsible for creating marketing systems and experiential systems to create a community in this campus. Um, so I was hosting everything from like trivia happy hour to like afternoon hip hop class for all of these people at mostly airlines and um, a couple marketing and advertising agencies. Um, I was there for I think two years. Um, and for anyone who has worked in commercial real estate, you know that commercial real estate can be very bro-y. Um, it's a bunch of 50-year-old frat bros most of the time. Uh, and so the writer that I had first worked for when I moved to LA, she called me around that same time and she said, you know, I just got a deal for a second book um, and I want to have you on my in-house team to be editing that with me before it goes out. Like, is there any chance that you would consider leaving your job? And I was like, yep, I'll leave tomorrow. I will see you next week. Wow. Um, so I started working for her and that was it was an incredible job because it's a very weird job. Most authors don't have in-house editors that they work with, which means that most people who would consider a job like that would end up at a publishing house or a lit agency. Um, but I, most of those jobs take place in New York, and I couldn't find anything like that that I was interested in doing here. So I got to work one-on-one -on -one with this amazing author who was writing historical fiction YA books. And we worked together for two years um, and got one book out and in the world and marketed and another book um, pitched to her publishing company. So that was an incredible experience. But I sort of knew through all of that that I was most interested in building something of my own and that... Um, I was spending a lot of hours editing in front of my computer at home by myself. And I knew that I missed the community and camaraderie that came with my corporate job as much as I hated working in corporate. Um, so I was interested in creating some sort of studio space where other women who were, were also working from home and potentially really lonely like I was at the time could come together and work throughout the week. So the first magazine was supposed to be our Kickstarter prize as we raised money for that studio space. Um, we ran the numbers a million times and we realized that with how expensive um, real estate was on the west side of LA, the kinds of companies and women that we would want in that space couldn't necessarily afford what it would cost to be in that part of town at that time. Um, so we pivoted really early on and the business became the magazine. Um, and it took me six months um, into the business to figure out how to set up a, uh, a more fluid um, studio component, which is what our work sesh events um, have become for us. So now we publish two magazines a year, one in May and one in November. And then throughout the year, every month, we host an event called Work Sesh, which is um, a once a week opportunity for 30 women to come together over the course of a month. And form relationships and share where they're at in their businesses and help support each other as all those businesses grow. That's amazing. And, and my, oh, my favorite dinner. 
You don't really have to answer that okay, one. Unless, I mean, now I have to know. It's it's lobster. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yes, of course, because you're from Maine. Maine. Yeah. Um, so where did kind of the premise for Boss Ladies specifically kind of come to life? Did you know from the beginning it was really about focusing on uh, female, is it entrepreneurs? Is it any kind of creatives? Is it, you know, really like women only? Like what kind of embodied the community in your eyes from the early onset? And how is that kind of threaded through your editorial today? Yeah. So the very, very early iteration of like what Boss Ladies would become was the, uh, I think it was the second year that we're in LA. Every time I met an interesting woman, I would say, you know, I do this thing where like women who like do interesting creative things get together for wine at Esther's Wine Bar in Santa Monica one day a month. Like I know that we just met, but like I'd love to see you there. And so we did that for like maybe seven months and the group just kept building and building. And we took over Esther's on like a random Thursday night once a month and it was beautiful. Um, So for some reason really early on it had become just women and I'm not really sure why that was so early on I just knew that um women made up the majority of the creative people that I was meeting and interested in and interested in learning more about um and I think the way that we think about shaping our community is both entrepreneurs and but that seems like a kind of weird word to me that word has always felt very techie Mm -hmm. um I feel like a lot of the women in our community consider themselves artists first. So we have a lot of a lot of painters, a lot of graphic designers, a lot of illustrators, a lot of photographers, um, and a lot of writers. Um, so I guess entrepreneurs and artists are are the women that make up our community right now. That's so cool. And so for you, it sounds like literature has always been a big part of your personal DNA and passion. Yeah. And so the magazine initially you were saying was going to be part of like the perks of your Kickstarter program. How come with this passion for writing that you had, that wasn't something that was almost at the forefront before this space? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think print's just really hard. And I think like I knew that going into this and, um, I mean, we're in a time when a lot of magazines are scaling back and a lot of big publications that have been around for a long, long time are still trying to learn like how to make the business model work. Um, and to me, it just seemed like a little bit of a, a blurry space that I didn't know what the answers were with it yet. I think that there's a few magazines that have um, done a really good job setting themselves apart and creating a business model that works, but like that's not the majority. Um so I think I knew how challenging it was, or at least how challenging it looked like. And I didn't know that I had any additional answers that these other people that were having trouble, like, didn't have. Yeah. And know? so when you kind of started to tackle the print side of things, did you kind of take this approach about monetizing through advertising or was it more through partnerships or is it just purely by issue price? So... Right now, our subscribers... Um, our source of revenue for the print model. That being said, like print doesn't, for us, print doesn't make money. And that's not where, where our business model is focused. Our business model is definitely focused on our events and our in-person experiences. And I think print has, to me, become like the art form that I believe in and I'm really passionate about and don't want to give up, but I'm allowing it to stay an art form rather than like 
a revenue generating arm of the business. Mm, I love that. I think that's such an important extension, whether print or otherwise of any brand and any kind of brand strategy is thinking about the various components of your business and how they actually contribute back into the community. And I'm sure it's also a great opportunity for you to get connected with some women that may or may not have been aware of what you do with these workshops and events and kind of bring them into the community in a deeper way. Totally. Yeah. Um, so as part of the the DNA, you were talking about your work sesh events, um, which originally started in Los Angeles, but now you're expanding them across the country. Yeah, we just did our first. So this past Tuesday, we had one in Chicago and one in Dallas. Um, and I was at the one in Chicago and it was awesome. And then we start New York next month too. What? How are you able to pull these together and tap into these communities in cities that you don't reside or maybe don't even know people in. Yeah. So um, I feel like Chicago and Dallas, people always ask why we started with those two cities. Like they assume that we would have started with San Francisco and New York. Um, And the answer is that I was very conscious of wanting to find the right kind of person to be running the events. I think that like the ethos of the events um, and like safe, warm space that we try to create was like the most important thing, preserving that um, across all the new cities. So I was waiting to find the perfect person to open um, a different series in a different city. And the way that we sort of run the model is that we have ambassadors in each of these other cities that do everything from plan the event to host the event based on our model. they do all of that for us and with us. That's so that incredible. allows us to sort of expand past me and where we are. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. Um, so now I kind of want to dive into our five things, kind of our juicy segment. Um, because your brand not only exists, you know, IRL, as we keep saying, but also exists in the form of a biannual print issue, I'd love to just kind of walk through how you approach translating your brand values into these different aspects of the business. You clearly have a very thoughtful approach to the kinds of events you curate and the people you connect with. And I, I love your reference of even, you know, artists over necessarily just entrepreneurs, but just these various pillars are, um, you know, obviously really guided by a set of values that you have put in place potentially from day one. And so I'd love to um, hand the stage over to you to talk about your five Cool. Um, Okay. So I think I'll take us through by talking about like one value at a time. So um, the first one that I want to talk about is egalitarianism. Um, And from the beginning of the magazine, it was really important to me that all of the women that we selected to feature were sort of given the same amount of space and the same same stage um, to share from. So, I mean, in the past, we have featured women from Jamie Lee Curtis to Grace Bonney and and women that are very, very well known. And they get the same amount of space in the magazine as women that um, are just becoming more well known in their industries. And also from the very beginning, we have made a very conscious choice to not have an image on the cover um, because... Well, the simple reason is because we couldn't think of how we would select one woman to be on the cover. Um, And we are just in a sort of changing space with that now um, where we're considering different ways to incorporate art 
on the cover that can embody all of the women that we're featuring in that specific issue. So then translating that same value to our in-person events, um, we established this rule early on that at each of our events, every person attending has to have the opportunity to share something about themselves with the rest of the group. So um, for example, we host these fireside chats every month. And at each of these chats, we have an audience somewhere between like 30 people to 85 people. Um, but no matter the size of the audience, we take time during the event for each person in the audience to introduce themselves and say what they do before we launch into the interview with our speaker. Um, I think that Boss Ladies is built on a belief that we all have something to share with one another and something to teach each other, regardless of where we're at um, in our journey at the moment. Then I think our second value that we try to incorporate in everything would be having a holistic approach. Um, I think that we try really hard to create space for sharing holistic stories. So um, in the magazine articles, we try not only to tell a woman's business journey, but we also try to share the pieces of her personal life that have shaped her choices and her values. Um, I think that we're all very complex people with many layers to us. And I can't help but think that something's lost when we force people to compartmentalize and have spaces where they only talk about their business or they only show up as a business owner. Um, then at our work session events, we sit in a sharing circle and we give women space to share where they're at in their lives and businesses at that moment. Uh, so in that circle, sometimes women share things about their business and what's going on um, there. And other times they talk about, you know, the difficulties of motherhood or they share that they recently have experienced a loss in their family. And um, I think that I've tried really hard to create a space where women can show up as their full selves um, and also where they feel like they feel empowered to bring that whole self to their business. Um, then our third value would be elevated curation. So in the magazine, that translates to my process of selecting the women we feature in each issue. And in our events, um, we translate that same principle to making decisions about the venues and the vendors that we partner with to host our events and the advertising partners that we choose to work with. And then our fourth value would be warmth. Um, this is a relatively easy thing to know how to translate to events. And it means that I make a point to know women in our community by name. And I try really hard to greet everyone, even strangers, as I would a friend. But I think it took me a long time to learn how to translate warmth to print. Um, in the past, our articles were about a person rather than about an interaction between people. And I think that you need that interaction between people to create a feeling of warmth. So in this next issue that's coming out, issue four, which will be out in November, I wrote a few of the profiles in first person for the first time. Um, so I allowed myself to like... I created a space for myself within that narrative. And I think incorporating my position in the story and sharing the other 180 degrees of the experience of creating that article um, creates that feeling of warmth that I was looking for. And then the last one would be innovation. So for me, this was one of the harder things to feel comfortable with in business. Um, I couldn't help but feel like a brand needed to maintain a certain sense of consistency to be legitimate. And I worried that too much ev evolution and change would make the brand seem unreliable. But as soon as I realized that innovation is something that we prioritize in ourselves and in others, 
I think it gave me the permission I'd been seeking to be comfortable with constant experimenting and evaluating, which for me often means constant change. So in the magazine, that means that each issue changes a ton from the one before it. We don't force ourselves to stick to any particular system of doing things. Um, for example, like in the first magazine, we featured 25 women. Now for the next one, we're featuring 13. Um, and we're making a lot of design changes with the magazine itself as well. And now we're also in the middle of this huge rebranding process, which will affect both the brand identity and the design of the magazine. Um, and I think it was hard for me to decide to go through a rebranding after only a year in business. Um, but I, I've decided to give myself permission to experiment and iterate as often as I feel inspired to. So for the events, that means that um, we stay open to hosting all kinds of different events. And we often like experiment with different kinds of things. So this summer, we hosted our first full moon supper and our first dance party. And now we're toying with a new type of industry specific event series. Um, yeah, that's amazing. That was a lot. And I think, yeah, I mean, there's so much to extract from all of those points. And I think um, your point about warmth really resonates because I think that um, while y you may say that it feels like it's a relatively obvious one, it, it actually um, is an underused value, I think, across a lot of businesses. And, you know, to your point, the ability for your brand to be able to be something that people can connect with in real life creates that warmth. But thinking about that through print is so interesting because it truly is like we think about those things a lot too from, you know, just design processes and content and all of that is like what makes something interesting? What makes it more than just like a quick flick through and then like it sits on the coffee table? Not that that's a bad thing either, but um, I think that that was really a, a, a really relevant point about even just thinking about the way that those conversations or that first person writing kind of changes that. And I've been... I've been doing a deep dive and a study into group portraiture. So I've been doing a lot of studying of Vogue group portraits in the past and trying to trying to identify what makes a portrait or a group portrait um, feel warm versus the ones that feel um, really cold and isolating. Hmm. So that's kind of the next that's the next deep dive. So you said that you're currently going through a rebranding process, which is super fun. Um, what else is next for Boss Ladies? Mm, big things. Um, right now, so we go to San Francisco in November um, to shoot for our next issue. And at that time, we are going to launch into creating a film series. Um, and we're going to take some baby steps with it. But I think that's definitely the direction that we're interested in heading. Um and the other big thing we're working on right now is um, exploring what's possible to do with a digital magazine. I think that thus far, the digital magazine has been um, a replica of the print magazine just in digital form. And so we're thinking of ways to incorporate everything from video to audio within a digital magazine experience. Mm, I love that. Yeah. That's super cool. I think it's going to be incredible. But first, we need to um, figure out the platforms and what's possible. Awesome. Well, that's really exciting. It sounds like you have a lot ahead, but all really relevant and, you know, timely things for the brand. So that is super exciting. Um, as we always do on this podcast, we have to kind of close with a question that is a little um, different. 
So my question, this is actually one that I love. Um, people here, the company can attest that um, we often do like question games at like team dinners and stuff like that to kind of get to know people. Um, and this is one I always love to ask people. But if you were to have a year where you could pursue either another career or just like a very specific skill set and money wasn't of any concern, what would you choose to focus on and why? Mm, I love this. I feel like the answer would change every week. But right now, I've just been watching the abstract design series on Netflix. And um, the one on interior design, I found incredible. So right now, for me, it would be interior design. That series is so, so, so inspiring, right? I'm obsessed. Yeah. Love it. Plug for Netflix, Mm -hmm. abstract. Watch it if you haven't. Okay, Chelsea. So as we wrap this up, you have to tell our listeners where they can follow you, what are your handles, and anything else that we should know. Cool. Okay. So the Boss Ladies website is bossladies.us and our Instagram is bossladiesmag. Um, and on Twitter, we're bossladiesla. Mm. You're going to have to expand into new markets. I know. I know. <laughs> it's fine. Instagram, you've you got a great audience on Instagram. You can just keep owning that one. Um, well, thank you so much for being here. And for all of our listeners, be sure to check out the latest issue of the Shapeshift Report, shapeshiftreport.co. And you can follow along on all of our handles at Shapeshift Report. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye.